Hello and welcome back to Sense and Spirituality. My name is Sheila McGregor and it's great to have your company again today. This month, I invite you to join along with our study at Siloam United Church on Diana Butler Bass's latest book, Freeing Jesus. Diana Butler Bass is one of today's most trusted commentators on contemporary spirituality and a very popular speaker on Christianity. We are delighted to be able to welcome her to Siloam on Saturday, November the 11th. I hope these messages, starting today, give you a hint of the breadth and depth of her writing, help to deepen your own faith, and encourage you to read this book and to sign up for her special event at Siloam in the autumn. You can check out the Siloam United Church website for more information. Diana begins her book by recounting an unusual experience she had while visiting a small chapel in the massive Washington National Cathedral. While meditating on the image of Jesus in the beautiful chapel, she had a sense that Jesus was speaking directly to her. Nothing surprising there, but it is what he said to her that shook her to the core and led to the writing of this book. Get me out of here, implored Jesus. I wonder, what does Jesus need to be freed from? How have we put barriers up around him that make it difficult or even impossible for others to get to know the real Jesus? And who is Jesus really? Does he even matter in our secular age? Diana says yes observing that millions of people in the West have either left the church in recent decades or are questioning why they stay. She also notes that this mass exodus has not resulted in less interest in or devotion to Jesus. In fact, commitment to Jesus remains strong. As an example, she cites writer Anne Rice, who writes, and I quote, I quit being a Christian. I'm out. I remain committed to Christ as always, but not to being Christian or being part of Christianity, unquote. While such a stance does not bode well for the institutional church, it is possible that releasing Jesus from all the ecclesiastical trappings may have greater potential in helping people to build a deeper relationship with our Lord and thereby open up more people to the life of joy he promises. In her introduction, Diana lays out three different terms for understanding Jesus. First, there is the Jesus of history, or what we can know about the ministry and message of this first century Palestinian Jew, the reconstruction of his life and teachings according to critical historical methods. Secondly, there is the Christ of faith, that is the church's proclamation of the risen Christ, or what we believe about Jesus Christ. Some scholars have sought to marry these two visions of Jesus, although too often over the past century, as Diana notes, people have taken sides, resulting in what has come to be known as the battle for Jesus. 
Diana acknowledges that understanding the historical Jesus and the Christ of faith, the church's doctrines, are both helpful. But for her, a third approach has greater meaning and relevance, namely the Jesus of experience. In this book, she seeks to share the various ways she has experienced Jesus over her lifetime, not as an attempt to impose her beliefs on others, but rather as a way to encourage her readers to share our own stories and experiences of Jesus over our own lifetime. In other words, she urges us to use the methodology that qualitative researchers refer to as narrative inquiry. By sharing the various ways she has known Jesus at six different points in her 60 odd years of life, she invites us to answer the ultimate hermeneutical question that Jesus poses in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. Who do you say that I am? The first way Diana came to know Jesus, the way she understood Jesus as a child, really resonates with me. Jesus is our friend. The song that was her first theology was one that I sang too. Jesus loves me. Another song that speaks to me even more profoundly is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Like many youngsters and spotty-faced teens, I went through a rough patch where I could not always count on my school chums to be there for me. Indeed, I believed that the only person who could really love me was my mother. But when we sang this hymn at my United Church Explorers group or in my Baptist Pioneer Girls Club, I knew that there was another who loved me with an even greater love, and I felt safe and affirmed. What a friend I had in Jesus. Diana describes how friendship in the Bible was not a thing to be counted lightly. Friendship, especially friendship with God, was a gift of wisdom. God was a companion to Adam and Eve, walking with them in the garden, delighting in their company as friends do, and sharing the same spirit. Abraham, Moses, and Miriam were all friends of God. In the scriptures, we are told that Moses married into a clan whose name actually meant friend of God. Jesus was very close friends with Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. This kind of loving amicability with God was notoriously different from the way the ancient Egyptians, Persians, Greeks, and Romans experienced the divine. The gods of antiquity never befriended ordinary mortals, but rather they were to be scrupulously obeyed, feared, and appeased through servile sacrifices. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. That from John 15, verse 15. Jesus also said in John 15, verse 13, no one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. The friendship that Jesus shares has no boundaries. The friendship to which he invites us is different from most friendships in that it calls us to reach out not only to those with whom we share a natural affinity, 
but also to those who may be different from ourselves politically, economically, socially, intellectually, and religiously, and also in terms of age, ability, gender, color, or sexual orientation. With Jesus, as Diana writes on page 21, friendship is not just for your friends. Friendship is for the good of the world. In other words, it's about justice and equality too. I would add that friendship is not just for the world, but for the whole of God's creation. This week, I invite you to journal about how you have understood Jesus throughout your lifetime, especially recalling your early childhood and adolescent impressions of our Lord. Take some time also to reflect on the nature of friendship in Diana's first chapter, as well as the friendships you have formed over the years. What is it about the people you call friend that makes your relationship with them both meaningful and something to be cherished? How is God calling you through Christ to extend compassion and friendship to those outside your intimate circle? Do you view Jesus as a friend of yours? Why or why not? That's it for this week, friends. See you next Friday.